This is a GRDC podcast. So early and increase crop seeding density, that's the message from weed researchers investigating the best way to beat ryegrass across Australia's southern grain growing region. Hello there, I'm Prue Adams. Traditionally, many growers have waited for weeds to emerge after opening rains, then apply a knockdown herbicide before seeding the crop. But four years of trials across the southern region have consistently shown it's better to sow early and increase the crop seeding density to suppress weeds, and do this in conjunction with herbicide. On a sunny spring day, I caught up with agronomist Ben Fleet and Associate Professor Gurjeet Gill at one of the project's trial sites at the University of Adelaide's Roseworthy campus. Dr Gill leads the GRDC investment looking at cultural or non-chemical management for weed control. I started by asking what the take-home message is for growers. Well, the key message is that good ryegrass management is about integration of herbicides with good non-chemical tactics, which is the recipe for success. By that I mean if we just use herbicides, uh, we still get a lot of escapes, ryegrass still sets seed and you're not winning the battle. However, when you start to integrate strong non-chemical tactics such as early sowing to get strong competition from the crop, as well as high crop density or high seed rate, you start to make a system which is much more robust, which allows the crop to handle the weed without losing yield potential. But at the same time, you're getting a system where weeds are producing very small amount of seed, which means your populations over time will be on a downward trajectory. So that's really what we want to achieve, to have a sustainable system where weed numbers are going down and the growers are still highly profitable in their cropping systems. So how have you gone about determining what are the best cropping densities and the best times for growers to be planting? I'll start with sowing time first in that what we have found is crops sown before the end of autumn tend to be much more vigorous because of the warmer environment in which they're growing. The soil temperatures are higher, ambient light intensities are higher which is really the recipe for growing crops at a fast rate, which means they are growing at a faster rate and capturing all the resources rather than allowing the weeds to get hold of all that. So we need to be ensuring that our crops are going into that early part of the growing season. And on top of that, we are finding consistently that sowing cereals at 200 seeds per square metre or 200 plants per square metre established gives them... So that's wheat. For wheat and barley, similar, gives these crops a strong advantage in terms of the early ground cover, which the crops need to shade out the weeds and capture more of the light and nutrients. So when we integrate these non-chemical tactics with good herbicide options, you start to turn the whole equation in your favour in terms of suppressing weeds and getting good yields. So some of that sort of flies in the face of what growers historically would have done, which is to plant late, Mm -hmm. but do a knockdown first up. Yeah, absolutely right. What has happened over time is, and as we are appreciating now, the weeds are very nimble. They're highly adaptable 
organisms and they've been changing in response to our management practices. So what we farmers have done is now selected, in many cases, selected ryegrass, for example, which is very late germinating. So it doesn't just come up with the first rains. It keeps establishing for more than a month after the start of the growing season, which is not what we used to see in the past when this tactic actually worked very well. Whereas now we kill a small percentage of the seed bank from which the plants have established, but then more of it comes up later on. And just to rub it in, what then those plants do is they grow much more vigorously because ryegrass is well adapted to these cold and wet conditions, whereas our crops are not. So the balance is switching towards the weed as we go later into the season. So that's why what we are finding is that the crops which are sown in June, for example, ryegrass is setting about double the amount of seed than what it sets when the crops are sown into month of May, and by mid-May, for example. So you can see how that balance with the late sowing is going to be more towards the weed grabbing the resources rather than the crop. And just to rub it in or make things worse, we've shown at some of our trials that the later sown crop, you're losing about one to one and a half ton in yield potential uh, of the actual yield you harvest of wheat. And you're also setting double the number of seeds, up to 15, 20,000 seeds per square meter. So which is again double of what you would set in an early sown crop. So you lost your yield potential and you're also allowing weeds to set more seed in the late sowing. The whole thinking now has to be more about competitive crops. And to increase that competition with the weed, we have to be sowing early and we have to be growing them at a higher crop density in weedy patches anyway. So some growers might be concerned that the quality of the grain might diminish if it's planted early. And also then there's the cost impact of the density, sure. planting more seeds. Sure. Could that be a hindrance to getting growers to take this up? Yeah, that's a very good point, that uh, there is that cost to higher seed rate. However, in cereals where growers are mainly using their own seed, the cost is quite modest. So you can easily recover much more than that by only getting 5% increase in yield or even less. The issue is more with crops such as canola, where especially hybrid canola, where seed costs are higher. But as we were discussing in the field when we looked at the plots, higher sowing rate in canola also creates a much more suppressive crop. So you're going to get benefits both in terms of higher canola yield, and this year canola prices are fantastic for growers. So even small increases in yield and suppressing ryegrass to reduce its seed set by a large amount is going to be a much more profitable and sustainable system. And it was interesting looking at those crops in the trial plot this morning, the hybrid versus the open pollinated canola, there was quite a difference too, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So again, points to crop competition being such an important part of weed management, which some have not fully grasped that concept in the past. But I think we're increasingly seeing that whatever we can do to enhance crop competition and just hybrid was another dimension to that competition. So we talked about sowing time, seed rate, and you throw in on top of that hybrid vigor, you make your crops as a potent tool in weed management. So importantly, you're not talking about eliminating herbicides. 
You're talking about bringing in these other integrated cultural techniques, if you like, yeah. alongside the herbicides. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're not talking about getting rid of herbicides. What we are really discussing is how to enhance their performance. So we can handicap these herbicides and make them less effective if we don't do all the other things right. So we are really completing the equation by saying, what can we add to the herbicides to make the whole program more effective in weed control? And that includes early sowing, higher seed rates, and can be nutritional management. So not to hold crops potential to be a powerful weed management tool. And hybrids in canola was another example of greater competition. So we're in a medium rainfall zone here at Roseworthy in mm -hmm. South Australia. How can these techniques be used across the different rainfall zones? Is there a difference? That's a very good point. The extension to the higher rainfall environment is a very simple one because we see ryegrass behaving very similarly in that environment that it just keeps coming up for a long time. And because there is more water available in the system, even the late emerging ryegrass can be very capable of setting very large amount of seed and causing uh, problems to the crops and also to the farmer in terms of the long-term management. What we have seen in the drier areas though is that you can get away with slightly delayed sowing because in our experience a lot of those populations are not as dormant because farmers in a lot of those areas have not practiced such intensive cropping rotations. They have had more pasture in the system, which doesn't put that pressure on the population to shift towards greater dormancy. So in those environments, there can be some benefit for weed control, but people need to be, farmers need to be very careful that in those environments, the cost of delayed sowing in terms of yield being reduced is actually massive. So even in those environments, for getting the best results from profit point of view, farmers with industry need to explore options which will still allow them to seed their crops on time, but integrating other tactics such as higher seed rate, which we have found doesn't negatively affect grain quality even in those areas. I think those tactics become more important in those environments. Weed seed dormancy, how important is it? And how much information should growers have about their own properties when it comes to weed seed dormancy? That's a very good question. It is very important in terms of changing how ryegrass is behaving in our farming systems now because we're seeing these tactics which worked in the past are not working at all. And in fact, ryegrass does better under delayed sowing as we discussed earlier. So it is a very important change that has occurred in our populations by having weeds which are just avoiding that early season control. So growers are applying these knockdown herbicides but ryegrass still keeps coming up later on and infesting our crops in those systems. So the project has been going for quite a while now, finishing up in the middle of next, next year, 2022. Yeah. What else is there to find out, I suppose, and what would you hope to be able to deliver at the end of that? So we've been doing roughly 10 to 12 trials each year in the southern region. So nearly 50 trials have been done as a bare minimum to understand behavior of not just ryegrass, but also bromegrass across high, medium and low rainfall environments. So we can better understand what tactics work, what don't work, 
And we've been able to show quite clearly the advantages of earlier sowing, both for ryegrass and bromegrass. We have also been able to show that higher crop seed rates work on both species very effectively. And also we have shown that the concerns about negative effects of high seed rate on grain quality are well overstated. We haven't found a single example out of that 50 trials where we found the grain quality actually went backwards. What we're finding is consistent grain size, even at the high seed rate. So I think what this project is going to provide is growers with more confidence about the tools which are available to them for weed management. And that will allow them to sit down with their agronomists and work out a clear plan how to get on top of their populations, especially when weed populations are very large, how you integrate the different tactics over two, three years to make the system be highly productive and profitable. Working alongside Dr Gill has been Adelaide University research agronomist Ben Fleet. He's had a hands-on role with managing the significant trial on a very weedy patch of dirt. So what we've done here at the campus farm here is we've isolated an area of a paddock that's had a pretty bad ongoing issue with ryegrass. So we've found with multiple herbicide resistance, so it's a pretty nasty population to manage and with a very large seed bank. So there's a large background population of ryegrass. It's putting things under really high weed pressure. So that's what we've looked for. Then we've put our trials out there and look at different factors. So some of the trials we looked at today, say in the wheat, we were looking at the big lever of time of sowing and how that affects crop growth and on the weeds, how full the weeds do. And then also looking at seed rate on how we can manipulate the crop competition with that. And the other big lever is still there of the herbicides, the herbicide choices there. So we've, we've done that and we've got other trials similar with canola. We've got other trials looking at crop type, like comparing, you know, wheat and barley, high and low competitive cultivars within that. And different trials looking at row spacing and seed boots and things like that as well. So we're trying a whole heap of different things on this little gem of a natural disaster of ryegrass, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) or man-made, man-influenced. So that's what we've been working on here. I think that little plot over there was just asking to be tested. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's a nasty piece of work, that one. But uh, anyway, we've sort of shown that you can still get some pretty good things out of it. It's a very uh, tough ask. We've actually managed when we combine all these factors and integrate them well that you can achieve some pretty good results even in a pretty bad situation. What we've seen this morning has been wheat and canola, but you've looked at other crops as well? Each year, looking into low, medium and high rainfall areas. Obviously, here's the medium rainfall sites. We'll rotate which crop each year. So last year we had wheat as well for some of these, wheat, and we also had beans the year before, and we had barley the year before that. So we rotate them through in which crop we look at. The same with our away sites as well. Even from an outsider's perspective, when you walk in to that trial crop, it's quite staggering the difference between the different densities, the different times of sowing. How do you feel going back to it and looking at it? Do you think, wow, that actually makes a big difference? It's good to see it sometimes in a trial plot where you can see everything so closely and side by side and in a fairly uniform weed patch. So it's always hard 
As an agronomist, you, you take note of these things when you see it around. So you, you take note of what you see, paddock versus paddock, and your different growers you work with. But when you see it that close in the exact same situation, it's really clear to see what is going on and, and how much of a difference. I think it's been reassuring because a lot of this work is backed up with what we've been thinking was going on. But it probably was to a larger extent than we ever anticipated, particularly with the time of sowing in this, in this medium environment. Really, it comes down to crop competition, where anything that reduced crop competition, like, say, delaying the seeding, had such a bad situation for managing those weeds. And it probably just highlights how important crop competition is, as well as those big levers like herbicides in managing weeds, to get the most control in these situations. And you were telling me before that when you came through doing your agronomy degree... Oh, yeah, a little while ago, yep. A little while ago, <laughs> um, that... It was a completely different message that farmers were told at that point. In yeah, terms that's, of right, Prue, that's right, that's right. So, you know, we were working on back then is that if you had an absolute mess like that site that we showed you this morning, you would delay seeding as late as you could and just get as many effective knockdown herbicides as possible or cultivation back in the day to try to run down that weed seed bank and then sow into a clean paddock for your crop. Now... What we've found is that's over time changed and what we've found is just like we've developed herbicide resistance, weeds have evolved to be able to survive herbicides and we're pretty good at getting our head around that. The same selection pressure's gone on for when they germinate as well and we've seen this with other grass species and we've done a lot with barley grass in the past with this and brome as well but ryegrass is definitely coming up later. So what's happening, instead of getting nearly, you know, say 90 plus percent of the ryegrass up in the first few weeks after a break in the season, it's staggering for months afterwards. So you have a flush of it come up, but that might only be less than half of the ryegrass. And then the rest of it's all coming up throughout the season. So what happens, especially here at Rosemary, is we can delay three weeks or more and end up with the exact same amount of ryegrass at the site, even after a really effective knockdown herbicide. When we come back and assess the plant number, it's exactly the same. And then we're in a crop that has been held back with less competition because it's not growing as well. It's growing into those colder, short days and things like that, and it's really struggling to get the biomass and growth. And so we end up with, one, reducing our yield potential of that crop by delaying it, but also we've got the same amount of ryegrass despite all our efforts, and the ryegrass is still thriving in those cold conditions, and the competition of the crop is less, so the favour goes towards the weed, and we're seeing large amounts of seed produced and the situation is benefiting the weed. So we've lost out on the yield and we've lost out on the weed control and it's a bit of a tough lesson, that one. So is there a percentage benefit, I suppose, Mm. by the early high-density seeding in terms of suppressing the weed seed? Yeah. Well, I guess an example we might go through is some trials that we've got working with uh, collaborators at Hartfield Day out at Washpool in the uh, mid-north there. And similar environment to here, probably slightly wetter, but fairly dormant ryegrass population. And what we could see there over the three years of trial data there was that with the delay in seeding, even when we had a slight reduction in ryegrass numbers, the seed set was much higher, almost up to double when they delayed seeding. So we ended up with twice as much ryegrass. On top of that, the yield was about 30% lower in the delayed seeding. So they held off for about three weeks. And then so we ended up with about 30% less yield 
and we ended up with about twice as much ryegrass seed set. So ryegrass seed set is obviously the weed indicator that's important because the amount of that seed that's returned to the paddock, that fuels your weed problem for the future and what issue you're going to have the next year. So that's a very good measure of how well you've managed those weeds. So we ended up with less yield and double the weeds. So, yeah, it can be very costly, that delayed seeding. So I guess in the past, when delayed seeding worked, we still have a potential for a pretty big yield loss, but we had an effective weed control. Whereas now what we're seeing is we're not getting that effective weed control at all. We've made it worse and we're getting a substantial reduction in yield. That's a pretty substantial That's pretty big. That affects the bottom line now in the crop that you've got this year, but also your bottom line in future crops when you set it up with such a weed problem for the future. That was Ben Fleet and before him, Dr Gurjeet Gill, both from the University of Adelaide, working on cultural management for weed control. This has been a GRDC podcast. I'm Prue Adams. Thanks for listening. Listening.